Welcome into the Inside Bassmaster Podcast, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, episode 148. And this week, we're talking about the College Classic Bracket, the Striking Bassmaster College Series, done for the year in terms of team competition. We are now breaking it down into eight individual anglers, and we're going to do a seating day later this week, bracketed competition throughout the weekend to determine the one winner of the college series that will represent the Bassmaster Classic and through the Bassmaster Opens next season. I'm your host today, Ronnie Moore. My co-host, like always, Kyle Jesse. Joining us also special guests Chase Sansom and Christopher Decker. Both of these guys tied closely to the Bassmaster College Series and more. Um, Kyle, before we jump into the college bracket, though, got to give our kudos. We just had back-to-back opens. We talked about in the last episode previewing the Ozarks. Congratulations to Tyler Williams on winning Watts Bar. And then congratulations to Kyle Patrick uh, for the Ozarks victory. Chase, you were also there in person, so feel free to jump in. But Kyle, quickly... uh, the young generation is showing up big time in these fall events where a lot of techniques are coming in. Cal Patrick, uh, 20 something year old angler going to the Bassmaster classic and now in a prime spot to make the elites as well. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of studs, obviously guys that we've seen have success in other events uh, prior to these two that they won. Uh, So it's not super surprising to see either of them win, but yeah, I mean, you think about fall tournaments, especially in September, you know, Hackney talked about it on live traditionally some of the worst months to fish but these guys made it look fairly easy um had two really good events and i i never got the sense watching lake of the ozarks that that anybody was struggling too hard it looked like they were having fun catching a good number of fish and and uh you know congratulations to kyle patrick on uh slamming the door that last day there were a couple different storylines throughout the week we had a you know half of our top 10 were eq guys in the top 10 of the points race so they were they were fighting to add a few points on that final day to solidify what they had already done this season, stay in elite qualification. But then we had some other storylines. We had two locals in the top 10 just fishing to try to have some pride and to boast a trophy and some and $43,000 on the final day. And we also had some other opens EQ anglers who haven't had the best season, but really showed out fishing differently. And Chase, you, you got in the boat with Brad Jelinek, a local. Obviously, we had Andy Newcomb as well, a local angler. And then Dice K. Kita. Those three guys kind of were ones we kept our eye on because in the fall, you can jump from 10th to 1st. Dice K almost did that by way of a glide bait and a couple five-pounders on the final day. And then the unknown of what the local guys were going to maybe pull out of their back pocket run to a spot that's treated them well over the years. You got to go be with Brad and, uh, and check that out. What were your, some of your takeaways from on the water covering that event for three days? Yeah, it was certainly interesting. I think there was, uh, you know, as we saw on live, it was, you know, you would have thought as big as the lake is, it would have spread out. You know, these guys would have really spread out and they didn't leave takeoff. Like it was, you know, I covered a handful of guys there in takeoff and, I mean, I feel like I didn't drive more than two miles in, you know, two two days that I was out there. So that was interesting, and there was plenty of fish right right close. And uh, yeah, so I thought that was thought that was kind of interesting part of the tournament. Well, I don't want to leave Christopher Decker out. Sound like you had a fun week down in Texas, kayak fishing and a little pleasure boat swimming as well. Uh, you can elaborate on that if you want, but appreciate you joining us while you're on the way back home. Uh, and uh, yeah, obviously co- you've been color- covering the college series all year. Yeah. Quick uh, PSA for everyone. Uh, a lot kayak anglers, but uh, you know, anyone can take this bit of advice. Um, always put a float on your car keys in case, you know, you uh, flip your kayak over, or you hit a, 
your keys are out in the open somewhere on your boat as you're running down the lake and they just happen to pop out or something, you know, whatever the situation may be, always put a float on your keys or just don't leave them out in the open. Well, the good so, the good thing yeah, is, is that looked, you're still not out there and you're actually in your truck, which means you either found the keys later in the day or you had to go get some more keys. So either way, I, it was the, it was the latter. So the weird part about it was like I was having a great fishing day too, like no giants or anything, um, but I was catching like 30 fish and they were still biting in the wind and everything. And I was like, I kind of got to stay out here to, you know, keep my, uh, try to keep upgrading a little bit and i finally was like all right there's there's a little bit too much water in my kayak now i gotta gotta make it to uh somewhere that's five foot and under before i you know before worse things happen so all good now i'm uh close to home and you know i actually got to uh got to talk to kyle patrick on the way back and you know what a what a great guy to talk to about the win. Um, that column will be on Bassmaster.com probably sometime this week or or next. So, um, yeah, Kyle Patrick, I've talked to him a couple times throughout the open season. Uh, super good dude, and uh, he'll be he'll be a fun one to watch at the Classic for sure. Along with I talked to Tyler Williams as well after Watts Bar, and I mean these young guns are just so 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 good. I mean it's really just impressive how good they are. Yeah, I'll, val- go validation ahead. too, Ronnie. I know you and I have talked about this off off the air, but uh, you know, I covered Tyler Williams in a Nation event two years ago, and I told Ronnie, I was like, "This dude is legit," and he almost mm-hmm. won that Nation just from having the chance to talk to him. Um, obviously, he was so young at that point because he's still super young, so I had no idea what he would actually turn out to be. But uh, he has certainly proved it over uh, the last you know couple tournaments, and really over the the time of his fishing of the elite or the uh, the opens. Um, you know, had some have some rough patches, of course, but uh, he's also going to be a uh, be a problem moving forward. No yeah. doubt, no doubt. And really, these guys are are not safe. I would say, JT Tompkins, John Garrett, Trey McKinney, guaranteed safe. They're they're right there around that projected line. We did the we did the math of you know you take the tenth place points right now divided by eight, take that number times it by nine. That's the projected number to make the elites. With those final events, though, there's a less anglers that show up. So uh, you don't necessarily need as many points because if you finish last, the minimum points are up them from what they would have been. So I'd even say uh, those three are in for sure. I'd say Robert G at 1370 or 1371 or two, whatever it is right there. I'd say he's he's just got to catch a bass and weigh in. He's good. I think those top three don't even have to weigh in one. Um, and then when you go down sixth place, to about 17th or 18th, I'd say that those 10 or 11 anglers are the ones who are going to be swapping spots um, for the uh, the Elite Series berth at the Harris Chain. It'll be a fun one to watch. Um, meanwhile, when it comes to uh, the Classic Qualifiers, we got one more spot available. Man, every single one of these fall events, David Gaston has like some hope. He had three possible guys in the top 10 that could win and not make the classic or would double qualify and give him a berth. None of those things have happened. He's had four out of the last two events. Maybe the Harris chain will have some, some magic form, or maybe we'll see a guy that's in that top 20 in points, fish their way into the top 10, solidify the elites and go win and make the classic. It's always cool to see guys who get to start their pro career and also the classic in the same year. Um, So it'd be great to see that, but like you said, the young guys are absolutely doing well. And I'll say this, not going to get on a tangent, but just from your guys' perspective, it was a little refreshing 
to see Ford facing sonar play, but to see it with brush piles and a big jig rather than Demiki style. I know it's the same principle. I know it's the same thing, but it's cool to see some, some bait casters, some power fishing, and just using that tool to be precise with your cast, not necessarily chasing fish suspended over a hundred feet of water. That may have been the case for some of those guys, but target oriented things, it's about hard, harder to be more efficient than with that technology and with 360, even with side imaging. I know JT Tompkins did it in pre-practice, went and side scanned things months ago, and those targets ended up helping him make another top 10 once again. So great open season. We have those on FS1. We're going to have this event on FS1 as well, the College Classic Bracket. Saturday, Sunday, we will have it on FS1 and Bassmaster.com. And then Monday, we'll have it exclusively on .com as the final two anglers fish. Um, but before we get to the TV coverage and whatnot, we have a major deal on Friday. We tried to do it. Uh, we've done it, had the in- attempt to do it two years. I think we've only actually done the seating day one year because last year's weather prevented it. But we had the seating day at the, uh, uh, what's it like, the Coosa River, Alabama River, the Wetumpka region, and that one, um, the 2021 bracket. We tried to do it last year. That didn't work with the weather. We're going to do a seeding day on Friday. These guys will be able to fish, um, go pr- use it as a practice day and also use it. You know, some of these guys probably don't care how much fish they catch. Uh, they just want to, you know, they'll just see who their matchup is. Some guys will go out there hoping they get the number one seed. We'll see how those strategies plan out. But what are you guys looking forward to to learn um, from Friday's competition? Reading the stories, seeing some photos, kind of getting a feel of how these anglers are. Some could be lost on Friday and put it together, but some could really have it dialed in quick. Well, I know this much. So I covered the one in 2021 where there was the seeding day, of course. And I know that we're going to have to rely pretty heavily on Tommy Sindek, who's going to be our on the water uh, cover guy for this one, because it was interesting to me, at least a couple of years ago, that a lot of the guys treated it certainly like a practice day. Uh, you know, they didn't really necessarily care too much about what they caught. Uh, and then some of the guys you could tell just genuinely did not care what their seed was, because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, whoever you're facing, you're going to go try to catch the most you the most you can right off the bat. So uh, it's not, you know, you look at the list of the eight guys that are fishing this, it's not going to be a deal where it's like a uh, Furman is playing Duke in the first round. I mean, all these guys are super, super talented, really good anglers. So uh, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised, um, you know, when they're matchup on the first day of official tournament, um, you know, they're facing a hammer because they're all hammers. So um word on the street is they they went to the local hardware store and they were all out of hammers because they're all out on Milford Lake. So um, that's 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 the story on that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens on the uh, seating day. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the. Uh, you know, we probably won't see, you know, find out as much about this on the seating day. But as the tournament goes along, I'll be really interested to see what the tactics are for this event how how they're actually going to catch these fish because milford's kind of one of those lakes that um over like nations and there was another college bracket there a couple years ago i'm sure we'll dive into here in a little bit but um there's only been a couple tournaments on that lake ever and the most recent one was in march was a nation regional in like march or april and it was freezing cold and i think there were like 10 fish total caught during that tournament so like there's not a lot of you can't really take anything those these college guys fishing this tournament cannot take anything from the most recent Bassmaster event held there. But rumor is there's been 20 pound bags caught there like this year 
Now, time of year, I'm not sure that's really on the table, but it proves there are big fish in that lake. And I'm curious to see, you know, what big bass will be and what the uh, what the tactics are to, to get to that final day. Chase, then, I, I was going to say, Chase, I believe you were still fishing the college series back in 2018 when uh, Nolan Miner and Nick Ratliff faced off in the finals uh, at Milford for the spot in the Classic. Nick ended up winning that going to the 2019 Classic, which will go down in history as one of the most awkward classics we've ever had in our life. But uh, to go get there, I bet you at the championship when rumor got out or you hear about Milford, even if you weren't in the bracket, you probably – started Googling to see even what these guys were going to have to go face. Um, and then obviously seeing it play out. Uh, I, I think it was one of the most dramatic brackets we've ever had, especially the final day. Yeah, it was certainly interesting uh, watching the bracket in 2018, whenever Noel Miner was down, I mean, practically 10 pounds at the halftime. And I don't know if we do that now, but you know, they used to, uh, they would, they would come in midday and they would, you know, show each other their weights. And no one knew he was, you know, 10 pounds down and pretty much put an assault at the end of the day to uh, to rally a comeback and nearly won the thing in 2018. So it should be interesting. I don't know exactly if it'll play out like it did in uh, 2018, but I definitely think it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be exciting to watch. Well, if we kind of go back in the memory, I, I have a my eyesight might be fading, but my my memory is still pretty strong as I hit my year 30 of my life. But. I remember that lake being full of bait fish, um, some schooling action, some different things, some top water came into play, some I think some bladed jigs. Um, but ultimately it ended up being slow, methodical presentations, football jig, I believe, or Carolina rig, one of the two or both came into play for Nolan Minor. And then for Nick Ratliff, dead stick in a wacky worm. Not the most exhilarating thing, but the show he put on that morning was absolutely a clinic. Um, that may be the place. It might be less about bait and more about regional like you found. And also, I'll be completely honest. Um, we had two of the most fish what's in front of you anglers in that final day of the bracket. And now we have forward-facing sonar. So there may be fish untapped in 30, 25 you know, suspended over 60 feet of water that we see come into play. Um, you've got three different teams um, from the state of Alabama, yet those anglers are distributed across the country as you have two northern anglers mixed in with Alabama universities. And then you have a, a school, another powerhouse from Tennessee. These are Tennessee River anglers. The smallmouth they deal with are uh, maybe offshore, but they're also really current dependent. So it's a it's a, a little mix of a highland. And we luckily in that final day, we had two basic highland reservoir anglers with Ratliff being from Kentucky and from the Virginia, West Virginia area for uh, Nolan Minor. But um, yeah, I'm excited for it because it is more unknown. We have a little bit of tangible info, but going to a lake four years ago, uh, is much different than now, especially technology-wise and how much lakes change, how you could be a different week in the same season, like fall. You could be a week later at Lake of the Ozarks, and it's totally different than it was last week. It could be topwater filled. Same thing can probably go for a lake in Kansas like Milford. So um, any other thoughts about the playing field that we have or your memories, maybe if you were, you were any of you guys watched that bracket like Chase was talking about, like Kyle or, or Chris, um, thoughts or takeaways from that? Because like we said, I think, 
I mean, honestly, anytime we turn on the cameras in the college bracket, it's it's drama. Lou Minetti and Seth Slanker last year, final day, drama. Uh, you had matchups throughout the bracket that were crazy. Tristan McCormick and Tucker Smith the year before, drama. And then even dating all the way back to um, like the Zach Parker and Brett Pruitt at Chattoog, where Parker couldn't couldn't not catch 13 pounds a day. They come up schooling for Pruitt and he catches 15 and beats the ever consistent Parker. And even back to the first few brackets where Jordan and Matt Lee battled it out and even Andrew Upshaw winning the first non-bracket, but head to head with his partner, Ryan Watkins, that was dramatic. And it happened in the Little Rock studio. So I, I'm excited because anytime we turn on the camera, something's crazy is going to happen. That seating day, you could have the two favorites that we've, we may categorize or bracket in this in this podcast we may have the two favorites head-to-head round one you just don't know with that seeding day it's a little uneasy and topsy-turvy yeah and like i was gonna add you know with what decker was saying you know with not much tangible um research that's you know gonna help you in this tournament let's be honest that's what we want like we want all these guys to be pretty much completely even um you know not having fish there i'd be willing to bet nobody in the field has fished there ever um, you know, not a ton of, you know, research could even possibly be done on it as far as like, you know, tournaments that, uh, Bass has had there. So, um, I really like that. And, you know, I, I can't help but think every year I watch the bracket, whether I'm at the bracket or, I, you know, watch it on, on live, I feel bad for all the fishing fans that don't watch the bracket because it always comes down to the last minute of the last day. Like it is the most drama filled you know one of the most drama filled days of the entire year outside of maybe the last day of the classic itself um seems like no matter what at least in the past you know handful of years it's always dramatic it's always entertaining and it's it's a lot of fun seeing somebody's uh dreams come true no doubt no doubt and to add to that kind of thought the to the the thought about the venue um these are you know the last couple especially you know, Wetumpka, Alabama, um, you know, a great fishery, not necessarily a destination fishery for a lot of people, kind of a under the radar kind of place, you know, Lake Greenwood last year, kind of an under the radar fishery in South Carolina. You know, you got Murray, Santee, Cooper, Hartwell, you know, Greenwood flies under the radar a little bit. Lake Milford, I mean, a lot, I'm sure a lot of people haven't necessarily heard of it before so that's the cool part about the bracket is you've got these sort of unknown places that these college kids have to go figure it out on and and you know make a dream come true essentially so and then the 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 other thing i'm intrigued about is you know you mentioned the smallmouth in that place how much do how much do largemouth play in this event that's going to the the species um the species breakdown is going to be interesting as well in this one. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I could watch three days of live. No one no one watches – no offense. I'm not, this isn't prideful. It's just, it just comes with the territory. No one watches more Bassmaster Live than I do because I'm in all the elites, the classic, the opens, the, the college event. Like I see every minute of Bassmaster Live, and I think I know after three days of competition or two and a half days, I'm like, man, halftime break. Ooh, I did not see this going this way, but man, there's no way he's going to lose this one. It's kind of like to lose AOY, this guy has to have this, this, and this, and this happen. And then those things start happening and you're like, holy cow. And so uh, even on the final day of the college season, you start to think you know something or you're like, hey, the guy I predicted to be here, he's here. 
and then all of a sudden um you know it gets flipped on its head in the afternoon somebody rests off or somebody can't call up and the right bites come in for somebody else and it's game over one thing that is consistent the last few years since we've done team of the year with an automatic berth into the bracket we have had a team of the year representative in the final day matchup luminetti winning it last year the year prior tucker smith was a part of the team of the year and he um you know obviously lost to tuck uh, to tristan mccormick at the buzzer um let's go ahead and, and talk about our eight competitors also the schools they're at um off the top we have a repeat angler for the bracket tucker smith he made the bracket two years ago he'll join the list and and, and feel free to add to the list i may leave some off but um, our guest host for Bass Live is Jake Whitaker. He's made the bracket twice. Uh, obviously, we remember the Lee brothers um, back in the day when Matt beat Jordan, and the next year Jordan made it and won and advanced on. I believe Shane Powell may have made it in those two years as well, just with different partners throughout the time. Um, and then obviously, I, th I think we've had some Bethel boys make it twice, maybe McKendry. Chris, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But yeah, I believe there's been it's it used to be very uncommon and now we're starting to see some guys in their four years of college fishing that 50% of the time they make the college bracket. And that's, that's something to keep an eye on. No doubt, no doubt. And yeah, that's uh consistency has been, is, you know, we talk about finding consistency in the elites, obviously, because it's a nine tournament series, but you're starting to really see in college, like when these, when these kids come in as freshmen, they're not, I mean, they're already really good and if you if you put the right combinations of teams together that's four years where like you they have a chance to really either win a national championship or make brackets or continue to make the cut at the national championship i mean it's they're not coming in super green anymore it doesn't seem they're ready to like really compete at the college level immediately and that's that's really cool yeah, and I and I think even um, uh, I don't want to be wrong about this, but Kyle, I think like uh, to see people regionally, you see the Bethels, the Montevallas, the Auburns in the South fishing all the time, but to see what like McKendry has done with having Trey and Tyler, their ability to get the correct grouping of people, I think that's an underrated deal. Like you talked about, Chris, when we look at these eight, when these four teams, we always try to the first thing that comes to my mind is who's the hammer out of those four out of the four teams you know each boat which one's the hammer because individually they may succeed more whereas uh a lot of these teams it's like when you don't know which one's the hammer it's not because they're both bad it's because you're they're just both really good you're like who knows this tournament he could have made the shots this tournament this guy was running the boat calling the shots and and doing that stuff um and, and so i think that's really interesting but yeah uh it's starting to become a thing i think jacob fouts was the first person that was a freshman him and Jake Lee were freshmen to win the natty and then go on to make the bracket and, and advance from the bracket. Everyone else had been juniors or seniors. It was their last shot. You know, the Upshaws, the Lees, um, the Pruitts, all of those guys leading up to that all really, it was their last ditch effort to try to do this before they go pro or try to, and it was their, their pathway to do so. Um, but now we got a lot more sophomores and freshmen showing up at least contending for it on the final day of the natty. And let's not downplay how hard it is to make the bracket, too. I mean, you're talking about your top three from the, the national championship. I mean, just finishing in the top three in one tournament, I mean, that's hard enough as it is, especially when you factor in it's the championship against the best college anglers 
you know, across the country, or you can take the the other route because it's so much easier and win AOY throughout the course of the season. So, I mean, you know, team of the year, I guess. So, I mean, it is incredibly, incredibly difficult to make the bracket as it is. I mean, we've seen plenty of elite series anglers come from the college series that never sniffed the bracket. So just keep that in perspective, um, you know, and to, to further that point even more, you know, the guys that have made it twice, like the Tucker Smiths, I mean, it's really, really hard to do. So um, certainly going to be interesting to see how they handle a uh, second time around. Yeah. So the eight anglers that are going to be competing in the four teams, this is how they made it there team of the year like Kyle was saying our angler of the year for the whole college series they get a spot in there that would be Nick Dumkey and Easton Fothergill from Montevallo University or the University of Montevallo then we go to the national championship the winner of the national championship gets a berth obviously into the bracket that would be Tucker Smith Hayden Marbot from Auburn University they got it done at Pickwick in a big way especially that final day um What's funny is Nick and Easton actually had a chance to double qualify for the bracket because they were in the top four of the event going into the final day. They had a really good shot to double, which wouldn't make a difference. We would skip them. It wouldn't be like there's only six guys in the bracket. We would skip them and, and you know, have have, uh, you know, uh, still have eight guys. But so you have team of the year, you have the national champions and then runner up and third place. Like you said, runner up in the national championship was Bethel University. Once again, making the bracket. And that would be Levi Mullins and Matthew Cummings. And then third was another Montevallo team. So we've got two Montevallo teams, an Auburn team and Bethel University. The second Montevallo team making it is Jack Alexander and uh, Brody Robison or Robison. Uh, I'm not quite sure how you say that last name. I got to figure that out for TV, I guess. So Rob, Brody Robison or Brody Robison um, from the University of Montevallo. So what's your first thought, Kyle? Chase, I'll let you have the floor. When you think about these eight competitors, also, the schools they come from, these are some of the best college fishing schools in the nation uh, already. Great legacy, legendary schools, and putting out another great recruiting class um, that has prospered in the championship and team of the year. So uh, what are your thoughts on those eight anglers we just mentioned? Uh, initial thoughts were if you just took the names out and you just showed the universities that were represented, you wouldn't be surprised. These are These are some of the best schools. You know, when we talk about the uh, prospect list at the beginning of the college season before it ever even starts. You know, one thing we mentioned is you could justify picking, you know, from some of these powerhouse schools, you could justify picking probably 10 teams. Some of them, you know, maybe that's, that might be a little far, but like five more or more teams. And some of them we leave out because it's just not fair to add, you know, a handful of the same, same colleges in. Um, and, you know, I, the second thing that comes to my mind is, you know, pat ourselves on the back a little bit. What do we get? three of the four teams uh, were on our prospect list. So uh, that's also, once again, going back to how hard it is to qualify. I mean, once again, it's, it's, it's just as hard to pick who's going to be in it. So uh, we did a pretty good job there by uh, even getting close to, to capturing all four of the teams, but um, certainly a pile of sticks, if you want to call them that um, some of the, the best college anglers. I mean, you look at the, the, the other team from Montevallo, I mean, that's one of those teams that during the, the prospect list, we could have easily added them as well with Brody and Jack. But, um, you know, that just goes to show you the depth of some of these teams. And Montevallo is definitely one of the more uh, deep schools we have. I think Montevallo, Chase, correct me if I'm wrong, you covered all the events in person, I believe. But I think three of the 
three of the six events. So you had four regionals, the wild card, and the championship. So that's six events. Three of the six were won by a Montevallo team, and none of those teams are even in the bracket. They weren't the team of the year. They weren't Jack or Brody. It's another Montevallo team. So we could have picked from five possible Montevallo teams and been like, huh, we picked a good one. You know what I'm saying? So that you saw it all firsthand, Chase. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that, you know, they have such a, speaking of Montevallo, they have such a dominant team or force down there. I mean, so they kind of, kind of this year, it was like, all right, well, they're going to, like, is Montevallo going to do it again or are we going to see somebody else do it? So <laughs> it was, been, it was been interesting to watch. But yeah, like you said, it's, uh, it's it's definitely it's no surprise if there's two of them in the in the bracket for sure. Chris, I don't know if you're fighting off people at boat ramps in your truck or what you're doing, but uh, we just went no, through the eight anglers. We're batting, and, we're batting yeah. a thousand down here. Let me tell you, we're just we're batting a thousand between uh, lost keys and overheating phones. We're just we're uh, we're living the high life here. Let me tell you. Hey, I appreciate the extent that you've gone through just to be a part of this podcast. It wouldn't be the same without <laughs> you, but. We talked about the eight anglers um, joining uh, or making the bracket. Tell us your first thoughts when you saw the lineup of it. We went through team of the year champions and then second and third and the schools they represent, but also the caliber. We always try to figure out who's the hammer and a lot of these teams, it's both of them. So uh, thinking about those guys and the path they did to make it, uh, what was your first thoughts of seeing those four, the three schools and the four teams? So I think Correct me if I'm wrong. Last year was the first year that a Bethel team didn't make the bracket, if I'm not mistaken. So it's pretty cool to see them back in it. And Kyle and I, he may have talked about this already, but we had Levi as a uh, as a boat driver at the high school championship in 2020, I believe. You know, super, really nice kid, super quiet kid, kind of a no, kind of quietly gets his business done. No nonsense. Business done type of guy but he's a really really good angler along with Matthew so um they almost made the bracket last year and I, I was pretty impressed to see them do it on a pretty tough Pickwick Lake the three teams who made it through the national championship that was not an easy uh national championship to compete in because you know Pickwick has such a lore around it but it was the middle of summertime it was brutally hot on top of that, it rained about three and a half, four inches during practice and then during the event. And so the TVA had the was had the, some of the gates open, pulling a bunch of water, which, you know, you think that would be a good thing. It turned out that it made it more tough. So the three teams who made it through the through the championship, you know, really had to do something special to make it there. Um you know, I felt bad for the for the Emmanuel team that that was first out again for the second year in a row. Like that's got to be really hard for them to swallow. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's a really impressive lineup, and obviously, uh, Nick Nick Dumpke and Easton Fowlergill, you know, were super consistent throughout the year and have been Ellie. impressive throughout their entirety of college. So. We would have been four for four if uh, Parker Guy and Tyler Campbell made the bracket. We would have had four for four from the prospect list. And and I will say, yes, I can corroborate stats off the top of my head. Bethel did not make the bracket, and that's why we didn't have anybody on prospect list. And that's why Gary Mason had the chip on his shoulder once again, put his <laughs> nose at a grindstone recruiting and put another team together. So uh, I was kid with Gary, legendary program, Bethel. A lot of teams have popped up like Bryan College. Uh, McKendry, 
And then you have Montevallo as of recently. And then you've got teams like Auburn who have just had their, you know, since college fishing began, they've been very well, been, been very good. So uh, before we kind of jump in and, and I'm, I might put you all on the spot and make you pick a guy. If you had to, before we even know seating, before we know matchups, pick a guy to win it. But uh, Christopher, I was been keeping up with this Easton Fothergill after like, Literally like the the week after the national championship, something crazy happened with him that put the rest of this season, all of his hopes and dreams in terms of fishing uh, on the back burner for a little bit. Tell us about what he's been through since July and what um, what has came of it now that he is on his way to Kansas. Yeah, scary situation for him uh, last month. Um, so actually during the national practice for the national championship, he started having really, really bad headaches um actually passed out while he was idling around looking for schools because the pain was so bad from the headaches so um you know after some temporary temporary reliefs you know of excedrin um you know trying to you know trying to get him to go away thinking it's just a normal like a migraine that wouldn't go away um finally he went to the to the emergency room and they um did an mri and saw that there was a mass on his brain so um, second or third week of August, they rushed him up to UAB and uh, put him through emergency brain surgery. Um, luckily, it was not cancer. It was an abscess um, on the brain. So they removed about, I think he said, when I talked to him, about 60% of the abscess to do some testing, um, you know, get the medicine dialed in right. And uh, yeah, second, third week of August, and he's been recovering since then. And he has been medically cleared now to compete in the event. So he will be there. He said he's been obviously extremely tired the last couple of weeks, you know, trying to mostly sleeping, trying to get through the, uh, you know, get the rest of the infection out and recover. But um, thankfully, it was, you know, best case of a bad situ situation. And he will be at Lake Milford competing and hopefully, uh, you know, feeling close to 100 percent and you know can go full full tilt at the at the bracket yeah and i think he got a warm-up kyle last week i think he fished like the big bass tournament or something for college um in yep. kentucky lake to to get his sea legs back under him uh cool to see that man that that is scary puts life in perspective though you know the college bracket's cool but like so is the rest of your life and so no to see him to see him you know, just like athletes, torn ACL isn't a brain injury, but it's the same thing. It's you see these guys go through something like that and you wonder what's their desire to come back from it or just like put it on the shelf and just take care of themselves. And so to see Easton uh, going through all of the proper rehab and, and, and medical procedures to then even be medically cleared right up to the buzzer um, to do so and, and compete. I know Glenn, Kale uh, and the staff there on site will be keeping an eye on Easton to make sure he's all good to go um, throughout practice and, and the uh, seating day. And then the bracket, obviously um, guys, any thoughts on that? Say, you know, that's, that's kind of like a, I guess the, uh, the world's storyline. Like if everybody had a, had a favorite, like you might have your favorite angler, but it's kind of like, if they didn't win, I wouldn't mind if Easton won, because that's like, that's crazy that he's even doing this uh, a month and a half later. I will say nobody has looked at more uh, Google Earth probably than <laughs> you know. I'm sure some of I'm sure some of the guys have been looking at it during you know during downtimes in class or whatnot. But um, 
Easton's had a lot more downtime now than than the rest of them. So he's he said he's looked over Google Earth that at that lake at least a dozen times now trying every to, you know, <laughs> memorize it and get it down and you know figure out exactly you know kind of a game plan heading in so um you know he's he's geared to fish that's for sure so it's a it's really a blessing that he'll be able to you know get to live out this this dream of his to try to make the brack make the classic here and, and we gotta also say they might not have lakes like it back home kyle but those two nick, nick dumkey and easton fothergill are like the two only midwest uh anglers that are you know in the field like if they've ever seen other lakes like this or they've had to fish regionals at home in high school or while they're doing different traveling circuits like they're the ones who would kind of know about this type of uh region of the country more than anyone else who who have maybe just fished in alabama a lot yeah i mean they'd have to drive that drive past ten thousand lakes to make it past uh or all the way down to milford of course you are the cliche machine today but um <laughs> You know, that's one thing to keep an eye on, though. When we talk about smallmouth, I mean, these guys are both really, really good smallmouth fishermen. So uh, I was kind of going to bring it up, obviously, with the uh, scary situation with Easton there. But uh, their roommate is Bo Browning, who I'm super close with and have known for a really long time. And uh, he went up there and spent, like, I don't know, close to a month, it seemed like, during the summer with Easton in Minnesota and kind of learned to smallmouth fish uh, the way they do up there. And he just gleamed about how good both those guys are um and especially fishing for smallmouth so um we've seen that of course on the elite series the opens uh smallmouth certainly act different in different parts of the country but typically the guys that can catch them up north can catch them down south and catch them anywhere in between so uh certainly uh outside of the fact that they're two of the most if not the most consistent anglers uh in college that we have over the last few years i mean uh just one more thing to put in their uh their corner for sure um Chase, any thoughts on, like we were talking about the eight anglers, um, but especially the Easton situation, you got to see them, you know, in person on the water and how they operate, how that duo of Nick and, and Easton um, would translate as individuals in the bracket. Uh, I, you know, I not sure on that, to be honest with you. I haven't got, I haven't actually had the chance to cover uh, Easton and Nick this year, which I kind of, kind of sucks, honestly, that I didn't ever get to, get to watch them compete i got to watch tucker and hayden compete at the national championship so i'll be curious to see what i have what i do know is i talked to we have an intern here that is from montevallo that's working for us and uh I well, he's asked, definitely an intern yeah <laughs> so i asked him this morning, i said uh, i said well if you had to pick between dunkey and father gill who would you take and i won't mention his name but he uh he he said uh he said he's gonna take father gill in this one he feels like uh father gill is the uh the more impressive smallmouth fisherman. So we shall see. Wow. Tommy Sunday picking Easton Foster. Not, not Tommy. <laughs> wow. See, that's, that's how not plugged in you guys are. It's not Tommy. We have another Montevallo person here in the office too. So wow. even that's if it, unreal. even if it was way to, way to just out of source right there. Good. Oh, I crazy. was, I, I was ready when he said he wasn't going to name him. I said, I'll name, I'll throw names out there. Hank Weldon picked him. I heard him too. You know, Hank, Hank we, wouldn't him. Ask, we wouldn't ask for Tommy's opinion on the matter. <laughs> That's I will funny. say, let me one one more thing to add to uh, Nick and Easton here. They are the only team to the only team of the year to top ten the national championship. So you know, which is the caliber of angler that's one team of the year since it started is is kind of insane. And for none of those teams to 
also make the top 10 at the national championship. Um, that really shows you how how good those two are together in the boat. Yeah, uh, speaking of two guys who are really good together in the boat, I was about to transition over to one of the other known commodities, Auburn University. We talked about Tucker Smith being a two-time now bracket competitor, hopefully not being a runner-up. He would like to be the champion this year and go to the Classic next year at Grand Lake. Um, but him and Hayden Marbit. so there's like, there's kind of some crossover. Tucker Smith fished with Grayson Morris in high school. They won two natties together. Then Grayson moved on to Montevallo, and Hayden was Tucker's partner. They won a third national championship combined together. Then Tucker goes to school, competes with Logan Parks. They end up winning team of the year. They end up going to the bracket as well and winning individual college events. And then uh, he now, Logan has graduated. Marbit Hayden gets to fish with Tucker. They win a college championship together. So four national championship victories uh, between this duo of Hayden Marbit and Tucker Smith. Um, I think of, you might love your college partner, but I think of any of the teams, they don't want to fish apart because they fish really good together. <laughs> they, they honestly, if, if one is the yin, the other's the yang, uh, they work it out and, and fish. Well, Tucker is absolutely, um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it and approach it, but like there has been some on the water drama, not in the college series attached to Tucker Smith earlier this year at the Bassmaster opens. That's another topic for another day. But when it comes to the college series, no qualms about it, nothing, you know, no, no sketchiness, no worries about that fair and square knocked out the national championship there. And like Chase said, covered him on the water. We know this kid's skills. I mean, when, when someone asked me at the dinner table, um, at before the open season started this year, before the college season started, they said, like, who's, who's the next guy? Who's the next Brandon Polony? Who's the next it, dude? It's Tucker Smith. Uh, it, Tucker Smith has absolutely proved it at every level, proved it individually, proved it with a team, proved it with different teammates. Absolutely fantastic angler. And now when we go to the college bracket, uh, he's got to be the favorite, in my opinion. Like if you had to pick one angler, like obviously the Montevallo duo, of Dumkey and Fothergill have had it rolling, but for an individual angler over a six or seven year period, it's hard to beat what Tucker's done. And Chris, you've been there to be able to interview and cover him as well. And after a lot of these different, um, you know, accomplishments, he's had Kyle as well, Chase as well. So what are your guys thoughts on that duo as they now break up into bracketed competition? Yeah. And I think you, if you asked any of the, sorry, Kyle, um, if you ask any of the, teams who because we got we went on a little stretch there where it was teammates and on the final day yeah and um uh if you ask them they would say that was the absolutely worst part about the bracket is going up against each other so as long as they don't end up like in the same side of the bracket i think they'll be all right um but i mean tucker's just kind of calm cool collected all the time doesn't really you know doesn't really share a whole lot of emotion, whether he wins or, you know, is second or no matter the accomplishment, he just kind of stays calm and cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously he's got the skills to, I think, like you said, he's probably the favorite to win this thing for sure. If I had to guess and, and Hayden's really good too. Obviously they won a high school championship together. Um, we just haven't seen it um, quite as often yet in the college series. Yeah, and especially as an individual, Kyle, it's hard to know when a guy breaks apart how they'll even – it could just be their worst weekend. They might just not figure out this lake, but they're they're good on their own solo. That's another dynamic. 
Well, it's funny too, because there's not been a single guy that Tucker's fished with that when they broke apart, you'd be like, well, that was definitely the not, you know, not the alpha. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about Logan Park separates and he's had a ton of success in the opens right off the bat. So, I mean, um, same and Grayson, way. Hey, yeah. And Grayson, Grayson did great. Did yeah. A ton of success in college. I mean, you're talking about, I don't know. I mean, he's obviously such a good angler, but he's also had some incredibly good uh, partners along the way. And uh, two things I wanted to add one to take this even full, more for full circle, excuse me. Uh, Decker mentioned Levi Mullins being our boat driver there at the high school championship. We actually covered Hayden and Tucker on the final day of that with, uh, with that's something. Yeah, this is great. I mean, it's like, (laughs) it really is the wild. And I can, I can remember me and Decker having the conversation, um, watching those two operate, you know, on the water and granted those guys are still in high school at this point. We're like, they operate as if they're elite series angler. You just watch them cast. You watch them do everything. It's a hard thing to explain, but when you see it, you know. It's, it's, the, a, it's, it, like, it's the it factor. 100%. Yep. You, it's like, it's like a, a, you know, a baseball scout. Like, you can watch a thousand swings, but, like, you know when Mike Trout goes to, like, goes to taking that bat. Like, you just see it. And you could watch those guys in high school, and to see them now, um, you know, how, all the success they've had, uh, you know, it's pretty incredible. And then the second thing I wanted to add, I mean, you look at Tucker's career in youth fishing, right? 100%. Brandon, at the end of the day, that's not like the pinnacle because obviously his aspirations are probably to fish the elite series and obviously further his career in uh, bass fishing. But he has won everything there is to win except for the bracket. He's won three high school national championships, team of the year in college, an individual tournament in college, a national championship in college. The only thing, he's Greg Hackney of the college series. The only thing he has left to win is the classic bracket. I mean, literally, that's the only thing left. So uh, I think that that certainly deserves some attention. And uh, I'm sure you guys will have plenty of time to talk about that on Bassmaster Live. And to it, add to- Ch- well, Chase, I was going to say you were there at the table when I, I was about to I was so heated that someone was disregarding the stats about Tucker we were putting out there. I was laying it. It was getting monotonous. We ordered our food. I started the stats and the food came out, you know, a four course meal. And I was still finishing up his stats. I almost flipped a table it like just it was not clicking for the guy across the table from us and uh I I was so like heated like how is what else does this person have to do and goes and wins the championship makes another bracket just to put his you like his like Kyle said staple his stamp on uh youth fishing and 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 to Kyle's point like you're saying too like he's like probably the greatest youth fisherman of all time like there's there's not one that's been better in, in my opinion but uh yeah kind of going back to like you know obviously i watched a lot of tournaments now from on the water and to watch tucker and hayden you know during the national championship was the equivalent of watching the elite guys like they are so dialed and they are so good at what they do so i'm 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 very curious to see how they play out in this bracket yeah um they're definitely methodical about it definitely um focused and like like Chris was saying maybe freshmen years ago came in just wanting to learn more about fishing. These freshmen come in ready to go with the desire and motivation and focus to do so. And then obviously it translates. Um, So we've talked about team of the year and the national champions. Let's talk quickly. We talked about Levi Mullins and, and Bethel a little bit there as well. Matthew Cummings. I don't know Matthew. I knew the name Levi I've covered. I think I covered or saw Levi, especially those years of covering or being at Kentucky Lake for the high school championships, being around the Bethel team, you just know kind of 
eighty percent of the anglers there kind of know what they're know what they're doing right when they get there. Um, some it takes some growth, but these guys not surprised to see them back in the bracket as a school and to see like, oh, there's another good team, you know, oh this this team caught a ten pounder in a tournament, and uh, and you know they're not even one of the ones representing in the bracket or whatever the case may be. Um, Levi and Matthew, if anybody knows about Matthew, feel free to drop some stories about him. But also, let's go to that the other Montevallo team. Uh, Jack Alexander, Brody, uh, is it Robison or Robison, Chris? I asked about this earlier before you when you were overheating. <laughs> I'm still overheating, but uh, <laughs> um, hot and bothered so, in, in Texas somewhere. That boy's boy cooked. <laughs> I am cooked, dripping. Man. <laughs> I, am i getting paid for this <laughs> we'll try to monetize it on your behalf and we'll we'll get, you, we'll get you another set of keys for your truck on a floaty we'll get you a floaty yeah holy heck um <laughs> so i i don't know which way you pronounce his last name honestly so sorry about that but uh okay. but yeah they were they kind of you know with the caliber of angler kind of fishing that last day of and this is no disrespect to them at all but they kind of they kind of flew under the radar into the bracket a little bit um just kind of you know i talked to them when they came off stage and i think they're pretty convinced that they were going to be first team out of the bracket and then the uh things just broke their way and they were the the final team in so um you know to to make to make the national championship one is difficult. So you obviously got you obviously know that they're a talented group of anglers just by making a national championship. And to figure out a tough Pickwick Lake that time of the year. And I mean, if they're if they're good fall fishermen, this will be this this will tournament will set up really, really well for them. I think that they uh they finished when they fished together, because I think Jack fished with someone else in the wild card just because it was near their home. When they fished together, I think every finish other than the championship where they got third to obviously make the bracket, every event was like 15th to 50th. Nothing mm-hmm. absolutely astounding, but pretty consistent um, throughout the deal and, and got it done. Obviously, longevity, make it to the championship. You can't make the bracket other than team of the year. If you don't make the championship, they did so. Um, but like we said, Montevallo, I mean, that's the team this year. There's other teams in, in past years. Bethel's had their run of we could pick 10 teams from there. We had three different teams at Montevallo win title, win events this year that weren't the two teams that are in the bracket. So uh, we've got five guys, five teams from Montevallo that you could consider for a prospect list and things like that. So um, couldn't have probably had three better tenured universities represented as well as then the best of the best from those schools right now. And so it's going to be a throwdown in the bracket. Um, and I'm excited. Any other thoughts from you guys about the bracket? Uh, I'll, I'll go through quickly uh, as you guys maybe gather your last thoughts on the, the guys who have made the bracket, let's just, or, or made the uh, represented the college series from the bracket. Um, it's an absolutely crazy list of names when you think about uh, where they're at now. So before it was a bracket, it was just uh, champion against champion. Andrew Upshaw represented. Then we have Matt Lee, Jordan Lee, Brett Pruitt, Trevor Lowe, John Garrett, Jacob Fouts, Nick Ratliff, Cody Huff, Trevor McKinney, Tristan McCormick, Lewis Minetti. So you literally have guys who have won opens, guys who have made the elites and made the classic. Um, you've got guys who work in the industry now. You've got guys who have won Bassmaster Classics in here. Um 
And then you have guys who like Andrew Upshaw, who had a successful career, you know, over on the FLW tour and are now trying to make it through the gauntlet of the opens as if making it through the gauntlet of college series to win, to win the first classic berth was hard enough. So um, one of these eight guys will add their name to the list and that list will just get even more impressive probably. If you look at this list, I was just thinking this a second ago. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but the number of um, brackets, let's say in the last, I don't know, five, six years, statistically speaking, there's an elite series angler probably finishing this tournament. And if I was a betting man, I'd say there's more than one. And I, I, I you could say that just about every year and feel fairly confident. But I mean, you look at, at uh, you know, I'm looking at the the photo uh, that I suppose Chase took um you know, they're the the college championship of all eight of them. I'm just sitting there thinking, like, you could justify half these guys off the top of your head just, you know, stepping right in and being able to compete in the Opens. Um, you know, that was kind of the point of us doing the prospect list, and that's something that we've obviously uh, really enjoyed doing is just proving the fact that um, – and I say fact because it is fact – the the college guys are uh, beginning to take over the elite series and the pro fishing ranks across all levels. I mean, you know, we talked about 20 anglers, I think, when we did the first um, prospect list, and now we're to I am more than that, and it's about to be even more than that after this year's opens. I mean, it is just going to continue to grow. Uh, most every one of those guys that makes it to the elites is having success. Um, so, I mean, this is this is the real deal. These guys are the real deal, and they're going to put on an absolute show. Yeah, I think we were talking about it at Watts Bar for the Open the other day. We had the most recent event at Watts Bar was the College Classic bracket in 2019 that Cody Huff won to go to the Classic. Cole Sands got knocked out in round one based on his matchup. Uh, then you've got Cole Floyd who fishes the BPT. So you had you have two current elite pros and a BPT pro out of the eight guys in the bracket. And, like, and the other guys in the bracket, like I believe Trey was the one who knocked off Cole Sands in round one. Trey, or no, Cole, or I mean, Trey knocked off uh, uh, Cole Floyd in round one. So you've got a guy who's made multiple brackets beating out future pros. And then you go back and you look, Tristan, uh, you got Logan Parks about to, you know, make the elites if he keeps it together. One more event, first man out last year. Uh, you go back to other brackets, John Garrett, probably that's the most exciting slash boring bracket we ever had because he dominated from start to finish. And, but, you know, the fact of the matter was that he, um, did his job. You go back to the Serpent Lake one. You had John Garrett in that bracket. You had Jacob Fouts in that bracket. Cole Floyd in that bracket. Like you said, it's not just an elite series pro. After two or three years after those brackets, we've got like 50% or three out of eight that become pros in a lot of these brackets. Uh, it, it's absolutely incredible what it produces. I think there's one guy in the top 10 in uh, EQ um, to qualify for the elites that's over 30 years old it's jamie bruce he's 34 and he's 10th so uh other than kenta who can't qualify he's already in the elites uh, he still asked i saw kenta the other day and he's like i should get something for it like can i just get for two more free years in the elites like every time i make it when i'm already <laughs> qualified can i get two more free years <laughs> he was hanging around the way in on on the final day at ozarks and i asked him i said you gonna do the 18 again next year and he said I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> he he said, uh, he said, man, if I don't, and I, he, I talked to him on Monday. He was like, if I don't, and I fish bad, I'll, I'll like have to do it the rest of my life because I've been fishing good fishing, both of the 19 bass events, nine elites, nine opens in the classic, but I digress. Kyle, your point is absolutely uh, correct. 
a quarter, if not 50% of the bracket are pros from here on out, it seems. Yeah, and I hate to to do this, but like, you know, we can't force people to care about college fishing. It's just the reality of it. But the reality of it is like, I'm going to keep force feeding it because the truth is in the pudding. I mean, these guys are so good. And, uh, you know, like we were saying, statistically speaking, um, so many of these guys go on to fish professionally. So, um, you know, I'm or be in the industry like Nick Dumkey's already like in it with wired to fish. I believe like he's already like put himself in the industry if this doesn't work out. And if this doesn't work out is AKA win the points race and make the bracket and however far you make it, you're still one of the top eight anglers individually at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's, that's the thing is I, the only reason I'm so passionate about it is the same reason all of you guys are is because we realize how good these guys are. And I, I just want them to get the credit that they deserve because they are extremely good anglers. Uh, like we said, they put on a show every single time we have the bracket on live and it is so entertaining. So, um, you know, I'm not trying to, promote a big title fight here but i just think that this this event of all the events throughout the year is one of the most if not the most underrated event to watch on live so uh that's those are pretty much my final thoughts before your phone or you overheat chris you got any last things <laughs> uh no i just i agree totally 100 with what kyle said you know and we talked you talked earlier about trying to find you know in teams who's the who's the better angler, you know, who's the hammer, who's kind of the secondary piece. And, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, it's both anglers are really, really good. Um, this is the first time a lot of them in college will be fishing in an individual type uh, scenario. So that it, it really, you really learn a lot about the anglers individually. Once you get the, once they are on FS1, you're watching them, all day um casting you know trying to make decisions whatever so you really learned a lot about what driving um, a boat some of these guys are yeah, co-anglers they don't yeah. they don't own a boat you know that's a, that's a whole big deal as well yeah so you learn a whole lot about the anglers and it really actually shows just how good they they really are so um yeah i'm excited to see what what's going down i'll be writing the uh writing the stories this week so make sure you turn in tune in to uh, bassmaster.com for all the content chase any last words yeah i just I, i'm excited to watch this go down obviously i've got to attend all the events this year minus one so to see these guys compete against each other all year and to finally come down to see you know who's going to be the next bracket champion is uh pretty exciting to watch and I can't wait to see it go down. We should have a uh bracket. I made a gallery up of all the former bracket winners that should be up on com this week. So keep an eye out for that. We'll have that up and uh yeah man, we're ready to see how it all plays out this week and crown a new bracket champion. That's fantastic. Before I let y'all go, you gotta give me a winner. We don't even know who's matched up against who. You got to pick a name, your gut of guts. This is just for the record. We could say we're right if we're wrong. No one knows. It's the last five minutes of the podcast. If you're watching right now, Lord help you. Lord bless you. Thank you. I hope, uh, I'll I mail hope you everyone's something. just listening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because if, <laughs> if not, then, hey, if they're watching, they they love Chris Decker's dedication even more that you're still hanging <laughs> with us. Um, luckily, no one's beating on your window yet. But uh I'll I'll do mine last and sign us off. Kyle, I'm putting you on the spot. You're the co-host. You know I do this. You got to go first. Reverse Uno. That's bullcrap. You got to pick yours first. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, I got to wrap up the show, so I'm going to say mine and I'll wrap it up. Oh, man. Um, it's so evenly spread. I feel like you could literally just put them all in a, in a hat, pull one out, and you'd be like, well, I feel like he's got as good of a chance as anybody. And I really, truly mean that. Uh, but when I look at the list, I'm going to go. Um, so I, I, I don't get a whole lot of satisfaction out of picking the, the favorite. Uh, that's why my fantasy team always sucks. Somebody <laughs> that probably shouldn't be on my fantasy team. Hey, the worst your guy can do is finish eighth this week. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Brody. I'm gonna go with Brody. I've seen Brody fish. Um, he's he's a Gunnersville guy. He's a really really good live scoper. Um, so the one thing I will say about this bracket compared to obviously the bracket we had there. Um, a handful of years back, LiveScope was obviously a, just a, a distant thought. Um, and I think that whoever catches them, based on the fact they're smallmouth, they're going to be oriented to rocks, potentially. Um, I think for a lot of reasons, guys that are good with LiveScope are going to have a good chance. So I'm going to throw out the dark horse. I'm going to go Brody. Chase? So I, I hate – I'm also like – I hate to pick any of these guys, uh, mainly for the fact of um, – I know if I pick somebody and somebody else wins, they are going to call me and give me. Give That's good. That means they watch the podcast. That's good. Story. That's yeah, good. they're going to yeah. give it to me down the road. But bulletin board material. That's what we're. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We're trying to be. We're trying to make yeah. somebody, you know, Oregon, and we can make somebody else Colorado. We could just make that happen. So I, I think, as far as, and I, I have a feeling somebody else is going to pick him as well. I think, as far as the story goes, I think Father Gill is going to be. Interesting to see. I know we. I know I texted in the group message earlier and said donkey, but after a talk with uh with our intern here, I think Father Gill might be the choice. Chris, wait out yourself there. Yeah, no one was going to tell on him right there, and not at yeah, all. Yeah, you didn't have to throw that out there. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was. It's really tough. Um, I think, obviously with his experience in the big time tournaments he's fished in Tucker Smith is the favorite. Um, I think you got, I think you really do have to watch out for, for Levi Mullins though. That's, there's just something about that quiet confidence and, and Tucker carries that too, but that quiet confidence is, and a couple of guys display that in this bracket, which is really, it's really cool actually to see how like calm and confident these anglers are in their abilities already. Um, so, but I think, I think Levi Mullins has a really good shot to, to win this one. Well, none of y'all have gone chalk yet. Um, I don't think I will I either, like but I, I will. It. I feel like I, I yes, I'm, it. <laughs> I'm about to hedge it, but I'm going to, I'm going to put myself, I like to be, I'm not going to just throw a prediction out there. I'm going to throw such a specific one that if it hits, it's like that five leg parlay, but if it doesn't, then it's like, whatever. Um, I, I think, I think Nick Dumpke wins. Um, for Montevallo, I think he wins. I think we're gonna have some weird matchups. Like I think I think they're gonna have some teammates early face face each other as they're still figuring out the body of water compared to final day. Um, and I'll guarantee I I will almost put my Charles Barkley guarantee on it that uh, I would be shocked if Tucker Smith isn't in the finals. So I I fully expect Nick Dumkey Tucker Smith in the finals. Um, obviously if they match up in round one, I'm SOL on that one. So um. <laughs> you know, I expect that to be the matchup. Um, not because they're overwhelmingly better, but I just, I just feel Nick is, uh, I think he's going to be a good representative if he won. And then Tucker, the same thing. Um, and I think Tucker's ability head to head against anybody in the country, 
uh, I think he's he's to that level. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that, but that's who we picked. Uh, we've got representatives from every single team uh, picked. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, and two hedges for the other team. <laughs> no one actually picked an Auburn <laughs> guy, but we hedged it. Um, I appreciate you guys joining us on episode 148 of the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, College Bracket. This is how it goes down. Friday, the 29th of September, seeding day. All eight anglers go out and fish, five fish limit. They rank them based on weights. That's how they become the one seed, two seed, all the way down to eight seed. We'll break them apart, one versus eight, four versus five. Uh, Then you've got two versus seven, three versus six on the other side of the bracket. And we will see it go head to head um, in that format. Saturday will be the best of eight. Then Sunday will be the final four. And Monday will be championship Monday between two anglers. Uh, Coverage on Bassmaster.com throughout the entire weekend and Monday. Uh, Meanwhile, we'll have FS1 coverage Saturday leading into college football and probably Sunday leading into NASCAR. Absolutely awesome time window that we get to showcase the college series like we have the Opens and the Elites. So join us there. Uh, We can do our best to bracket it. But like we said, Tommy on site will do a great job covering it in person. Read up on the stories from Chris as well. And we will see how the... the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14th bracket, I believe, in history uh, for the college series will go down. Uh, all of it caught this weekend. We will see you in the next episode of the podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. I'm going to take a cold shower. <laughs> <laughs>